there's so many times I can remember showing a buyer a house that they called on and then they were like, well, I want to see some other ones. And they like, in my heart knowing, like, this is the best house. Same thing, the other, the opposite way. I was right. like, this is the best house you're going to get. Yeah. And I can remember after showing like 30, 40 houses, they were like, right. is that first one still available? I'm right. like, no, it's no, gone. No, it's been gone. <laughs> right. <laughs> Hey everyone, and welcome back to Hustle on Purpose. I'm GT Eichert, and today we have with us Zeke Tanner. Zeke, how are you doing? Doing great, brother. Good, man. Thanks a lot for coming out today. Um, just, I know you a little bit. We uh, we went to school together back in the day, and yep. we've, we've talked real estate over the years, but just for the people that don't know you, uh, give us a little bit of your background, what you do, how you got here, all that stuff. Yeah. So, uh, Zeke, of course, I... Been married for a few years. I got a 15th month year old baby. So living life, having yeah. a blast. Uh, started in real estate back in 2013. So this will be about a decade now. Um, Congratulations on yeah, that as well. Thank you. It's been a journey, that's for sure. But I uh, grew up in real estate. My mom and dad were in real estate sales. So I can remember as a kid literally doing door hangers for them. Uh, residential sales. I, as a little kid, I was like, there's no way I'm ever going to do this. But it's amazing when you say never, <laughs> things ha happen. Because so once I got into college, I had a feeling that I was like, yeah, I'm going to go into real estate. Um, I graduated. I went to Arkansas State, graduated in three years with a finance degree. And I actually went into the car business for about a year. And kind of knew that I was going to go into real estate eventually, but I just didn't want to do it immediately. And after a year of it, I can remember calling my mom and saying, Hey, I'm a, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm getting into real estate. And she's like, well, what are you going to do? I was like, I don't know what type of real estate I'm doing yet, but, uh, you know, I know you've worked hard and I've seen, seen hard times, but it's gotta be better than what I'm doing right now. And I loved the car business. It was a lot of fun, but um, flexibility for family has always been a huge thing. And I saw mm -hmm. my parents work really hard, but they were able to have, you know, quite a bit of that. And so mm -hmm. moved back and the rest is the beginning, I guess. Right. <laughs> I, w I saw a video the other day and this, your, your story kind of made me think about it. And my story does as well. And it was this uh, ev evolutionist evolution specialist, I get somebody that studies mm. different aspects of evolution. And he was like, we've evolved to, uh, be people that from the age of 13 to about 23, everything your parents do and say seems like complete nonsense. Yes. You're wired to, and he came at it from the evolutionary perspective. And yep. he was like, my theory is the reason behind that is so it, that is your prime, like, reproductive age it's so that you breaking leave, away you leave your village you go and yep. do whatever and then but you wake up one day in that 23 to 24 year old age and you yep. realize all in in you know at 13 immediately like one day your parents make no sense and then at like 23 to 24 all of a sudden your parents yep. are back to being smart and making a bunch of sense right 100%. and uh i think a lot of people relate to that especially people with entrepreneurial parents, yeah. you grow up and your life is consumed a lot of times by that business that your parents are in and you grow this like 
hatred for yeah, it almost like a in disdain, a way. A hatred, honestly, yeah. Right. But then a lot of people come back around and you're like, you know what? Like that business makes a lot of sense. And I yep. actually, I think I might like it. Yep. Um, so I, I hear a lot of that in your story and like imagining even just the, the little that I do know you imagining you in something other than real estate is kind of hard for me. It'd be hard. Yeah. Um, I, I think just even part of looking at it from seeing your parents do it and then you doing it. It's like a lot of people will go into the same path, but I, I really, even though I'm in the same field, um, and I, I contribute learning almost everything I know from my mom. Cause I did work for her selling real estate for like two years. Um, but I can just, yeah, I can't imagine doing anything else yeah. really. Yeah. Um, just it's given us so much flexibility and I think the biggest thing that especially pushed me away, um, my dad died my freshman year of college and I can just remember like, they had some grind years where just like there was like six or seven years where that's kind of like all they did was work in mm -hmm. all reality. And when he got his like diagnosis, I can just remember the only thing he wanted to do was go have fun and play and experience life. Mm -hmm. And especially in my early twenties, I took a lot of that to heart. And so anything I was doing, I was like, if this isn't bringing me, and I, I it really is like, if this isn't going to bring me pleasure or time to spend with friends or family, I'm not going to do it. Hmm. Um, and obviously there's some negatives to that. Um, as I've learned, as I've gotten older. Right. Um, but it's just like, Hey, if I don't think this is going to send me towards my, whatever my goal is in the moment, which is either hang out with friends or just enjoy life, I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and ideally you, you tip, you, you have both of it, right. Where you're able to do something that's providing for you short term and yep. long term and building for you and your, your family that you have yep. now, but also providing that freedom. Cause for me, I mean, my story is kind of similar. So I grew up in a retail business that my parents owned and was there all, all, you know, every day after school on the weekends and yep. you grow this kind of like disdain for the, for the business. Um, cause you know, you see all the other kids doing extracurricular activities and yep. you're stuck cleaning the glass inside of showcases <laughs> and, and all this kind of stuff. Um, you, you, I appreciate all of that stuff greatly now that I'm older. Yep. Um, cause I can see the, the work ethic that it instilled in me and all the, all the, mm -hmm. I mean, it molded me into who I am today, Spot so I'm, on, I'm thankful for it. But another experience that I got out of that is, is, is my dad passed away when I was 12, mm -hmm. and that business was very much his dream and his ambition and his, uh, yep. his, his desire. And my mom was uh, there to be supportive and she yep. worked in the business, but it was very much like his thing. Yep. Um, and he was the driving force behind that. And so once my dad passed away, I got to see that shift and my mom being stuck with this business as their primary source of income, but it was never, yep. my dad was always the driving force. Yep. Um, and she was kind of stuck with this. And once he was gone, it, it left my mom in this tough spot, right? We had a, we had a lifestyle we were accustomed to. Yeah. Um, Bills that had to be paid, man. Right, yeah. And I, and I didn't fully appreciate all that. I probably still don't. 
all that she went through with that. Real estate for me has been a way to build a business that if I were to get hit by a bus tomorrow or get some kind of terrible terminal diagnosis or whatever, my wife won't be left with a business in the same way my mom was. Um, It'll be a business that is able to run without me um, or has a value that's easier to quantify and be sold off as opposed to the retail business my mom was left with. So I know you, you feel that same pressure that I did because Mm -hmm. even on the same, granted when my dad died, my mom was the face of the business. So everything was able to still run, but I can remember in the 08, 09 crash, um, I'd started at my senior year, I started working for Val and Part of the reason I really wanted to become a, even a real estate investor was because when 0809 happened, I can remember my mom and dad literally they took the credit card and they said, "If it ain't gas, there's nothing going on this card." Mm. And but it was at the same time I was working for Val and dude, he was still spending like I'd never seen, mm-hmm. and because he had he had multiple sources of income, essentially what it came down to. Right. Um, so we had rental property. Um, and I mean, I can remember cleaning out nasty units for him and painting or doing yards or whatever needed to be done. But right. it was just really cool to see his other side of the business that mm-hmm. I'd never really thought of in real estate. Um, but that's really what spurred me into wanting investing because like, I saw that uncertainty that my parents experienced from the sales side. We'll call it the retail side. Right. Um and I think you've got to have a little bit of everything, a little bit, you know, different sources. But it was just one of those aha moments of, okay, you know, there's going to be downturns. There's going to be winners in business and life. Um, but on the, quote, financial side, this is one way to, quote, mitigate that risk. Yeah. And you, you, you get into real estate and typically everybody has their, their way that they got in. Yep. Right. Um, there's, there's pros and cons to going only deep down that one path. Yep. Um, I try to encourage people to, to take that road pretty far, get really good at something, get to where that's paying your bills and whatever, but there's also a lot of benefits in trying to go wider. Um, there, it's Mm -hmm. never going to hurt you to be able to, perform in real estate in multiple ways. And it's hard for me to explain that to people that aren't in real estate, but there's, you have to tiptoe that balance once again of like going, going wider, but not spreading yourself too thin Yep. because you can do it. I mean, I could talk to a thousand different real estate investors and they all have their own ways and they can all make it work. Right. Um, But if you can find ways that can, that cover, all of those contingencies. Can you have some long-term rentals that keep you afloat when like the market's doing bad? Can, um, and you can, you can tap into that equity when yep. like rates tank and use that to like get into something different. And, I mean, you're, you're literally preaching to the choir. So I, there's, there's been twice that, and I feel like hopefully I've learned, but I would basically like, I would find my new niche, mm-hmm. whatever that was. And I'd let the old one die just cause I was like, well, this one's making more. And, um, you know, there were some times where it got thin. I mean, I've been doing it for a decade and I can remember thinking, 
why in the world did I let that revenue stream die? Mm. It's because I was like, well, this one's better. And it was. Right. But if you do it long enough, you'll realize that like there's winners and there's summers and springs in every niche, whatever that is, of mm-hmm. that business. Um, when I first started, I was selling real estate. And at this point, I'd been doing it for about a year and a half. And my mom had me running around with like six or seven hundred thousand dollar buyers, which, if you know, you just you don't make a lot of money on a hundred thousand dollar buyer. But I was young and hungry, and I was ready to get after it. You got to get those knowledge through the transactions. You got to get the knowledge through the transactions, mm-hmm. through repetitions, going to bat. Yep. But I can remember there was one. We were actually not too far from here. I showed her a house. It was in Alexander. And I was like, it was a foreclosure. It was like 95 grand. Mm-hmm. And I was like, if you'll just put like $5,000 in this, it'll be worth like 125, 130. And she's like, yeah, but I just don't have the time or money to do that. And I'm sitting there like the numbers started chinging in my head. And I was like, I'm going to buy one of these and do it. Mm-hmm. And that's really how I started flipping yeah. was Find foreclosures. I mean, HUD Home Store, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, HomePath.com, all those websites. You could point your finger and make money almost. Yeah. I mean, it was insane. What year was this? This was in 13 or 14. Yeah. I mean, it was just, it was nuts. Um, And I, I, I'm simplifying. You would obviously, I had a system. Right, yeah. Um, But I mean, I can remember at one point, same thing. It was like, I'd, I would just skip a few. Like, hey, I'm going to be traveling for the next few months, so I'm not even going to buy one. And I look back now, that's so stupid. But, but I had you a had lot to of do it to learn it. Yeah, you yeah. got to do it to learn it. And then right. like all great things come to an end. And, you know, that's just part of it. This episode of Hustle on Purpose is brought to you by Arkansas Real Estate Buyers. If you have a problematic piece of real estate, we would love to help you. Go to the description, click on the link, schedule a free consultation with me personally, and we'll get you set up. Now let's get back to the show. You followed the the template that I try to lay out in front of people. It's like people will think, oh, it's a great time to flip a house. The market's hot, whatever. Or it's a great time to do whatever strategy. They're, yep. They watched they watch a video or read a book, which is all great. Um, but I'm like, you you are not looking at enough deals. Almost nobody is. Nobody is. You know, they're I know like, I'm not. Right. They're like, they're like, um, man, my neighbor's selling a house. Do you think, you know, I think it's a good deal. It's like, well, you probably think it's a good deal because it's the one deal you've looked at. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you, you need to find a way. I mean, even if I, I don't represent a lot of buyers, but I will if somebody wants me to because I no. have my license. The first thing I do is set them up. Yeah, I'm like, what do you think your criteria are? Set them up on those MLS searches. Yep, get that I'm instant like, email going. Well, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, look at these for, you know, look at everyone that comes through for the next two weeks before yep. you even bother me with like yep. what you want to see. Because you don't, most people just have no idea what's out there. No. They don't know a good deal when they see one. And that's, that's not me ragging on them. That's just, that's just part of it. There's so many times I can remember showing a buyer a house that they called on and then they were like, well, I want to see some other ones. And they like, in my heart knowing, they're like, this is the best house. Same thing. The other, the opposite way. I was right. like, this is the best house you're going to get. Yeah. And I can remember after showing like 30, 40 houses, they were like, right. Is that first one still available? I'm right. like, no, it's no, gone. It's been gone. <laughs> right. Well, and, and some of that is why I'm not a great real estate agent is because walking people through that process 
process is tough for me because I've got a lot going on. I've got, yes. uh, uh, you know, and they can only see houses on nights and weekends. And it's yeah. like, dude, my Saturday mornings with my family are important to me. Yeah. Um, it's, it's hard for me to peel away from that when I know we're going to spend three minutes in that house and you're going to decide you don't like it. The worst part is knowing it's a no before you give right. a look. It's like it. as fun as much as I like going to look at houses. I mean, I, I truly enjoy seeing houses yeah. and going and viewing properties and whatever. It's um, it's it's hard for me to swallow as an agent, um, and that's why I don't rely on that as like a income stream. Yeah. Um, I admire people that can do it. I know. Um, and I've been on the renovation side for so long that um, as an agent, you have to have you have to have the patience to walk people through, um, you know, what, like what it might cost to like paint a house. But, but when somebody walks in a house and they're like, love everything about it, price is great. I can't handle the paint color or I can't handle, I'm like, that's why they have stores devoted to selling paint. (laughs) (laughs) Like literally there's just, there are, there are, there's an entire profession called painters that you can pay Money to to paint a house, but and if, you can pick whatever if, color you want. If we didn't have those people, though, we wouldn't be in the business because people love move-in ready. They right, just love that's it. true. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I'm 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 thankful for it. I'm just that's why I'm personally I'm a terrible agent. I get it. And that's that's what kept me out of real estate for a long time because I've I've had an interest in real estate for a long time, but I was so naive to the the ways to get involved in real estate uh i'm a terrible commission-based salesperson just in general Mm -hmm. um and so i knew i wouldn't be a successful agent and i thought that was the only way to get into real estate i mean honestly that's amazing because most people that's always the first thought process is i'm gonna become a real estate i'm gonna become an agent and in all reality in my opinion, that's the hardest way to make Absolutely. money because it's a very saturated market. I mean, I think there's like in Denver, because my brother was in Denver for a little while. Oh, okay. One in three, which he was there for five or six years, but one in three people in Denver have a real estate license. Oh my gosh. Really? I think that's the stat. That's now, insane. Don't quote me on that, right. but I, th- I think yeah. it was that high where it's like one in three or one in four oh or something gosh. have a real estate license. I mean, it was insanity, but that's wild. People, granted, if that didn't tell you a market saturated in terms of competition, wow. that's insane. That is, it's it's insane. Yeah, that's the only word for it. That's wild. But I mean, same same thing. People look, it's like, okay, average price in Denver. I don't know. It's probably it's yeah. probably north of half a million, be my guess. Got to be. Look at, yeah. Granted, no one sets commissions, but 2-3%, you're looking yeah. to clip, you know. You do a few of those a year, and it's better than it, it, doing It pays something else. for the license and yeah. the brokerage fees and whatever <laughs> else you're paying for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, especially, and I know you've experienced this the last couple of years it's just been everybody need wants or needs like a side hustle yeah. and a lot of times people are like oh, I think being a real estate agent makes a lot of sense I've been trying to talk a lot of people out of it because I'm like yeah. I just don't think the average person knows at all what it entails no. to be a successful real estate agent is 
I ha- I have a lot of respect for people. I mean, like your mom, dude. She's that have made it in that know. business for a long time because it's um, it's starting a business just like anything else, which most people just don't understand in general what no. that entails. No. Um, and I, I like jokingly, it's like even on the investment side, like I'm realizing even now, like how much you really have to spend on marketing if you really want to do volume. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even saying volume, but just how much you really at this at this point in the real estate cycle, if you're still looking to get deals, you're gonna have to spend some money. Mm-hmm. Um, and granted, there may be some people that say no, you don't have to spend anything. Well, please show me the system. Let me know. Let yeah. me know because right. I'm I'm all in. I'll, I'll spend some money. I'll spend some money to buy <laughs> that system. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The um, yeah. I mean, and on the investment side, it's like people just think it's sunshine and rainbows. I mean, yeah. I think people. Sometimes we'll, um, you know, I'll have a conversation with them and you can tell they think I'm just like Scrooge McDuck swimming in my pool of gold coins. I know. And it's like, dude, if, if you had any real idea, like how much, like I'm, it's the, the portfolio pays for itself every month. It's yeah. like, we're, we're having a good month, yeah. you know, um, at 50 what i always tell people is like 50 year old me is going to be really happy i'm yes. doing what i'm doing today but um don't i don't want to give the illusion that like uh-huh. it's just spinning off so much extra cash flow that like i retired I, you know I, I i tell people that all the time but it, and it, but people still don't get it it's like and i like literally i just closed on one and this is like this is like dude i've been doing it for a decade it's in my niche market mm-hmm. a flip I ended up not making any money. Like I ran into some massive errors. Yeah. And so, I mean, I spent 90 to 120 days on this deal. Mm-hmm. And granted, I'm not going there 40 hours a week. Right. Um, but there's a lot of risk but it's, financially. It's still and, financial risk that yeah. ended up being a net zero when it's mm-hmm. all said and done. Um, and it's the same thing on, on the rental side. People... They see how much the rent is, but they don't understand that it's like property. You have property taxes, insurance, vacancy. Mm-hmm. People never talk, which I don't get why people never talk about it, but vacancy. Last year, I had three sewer lines go out. Yeah. In, I mean, just, and at, I now. At five to $8,000 yeah, a like, pop. Yeah, it was like, yeah, roughly in mm-hmm. those numbers. Luckily, Literat gives a little bit of a credit back, but then they pop you with your their permit fee that's uh-huh. like six hundred dollars, uh-huh. which I'm just like, okay, why don't you just reduce my twenty five hundred dollar credit? Because right, you know, yeah. Well, because they're robbing Peter to pay Paul. They're that's like, exactly uh, what they're doing. Yeah. every um, time. Yeah, um, yeah. It's it's a hard way to make an easy living, and I don't I don't want to. I don't want to scare anybody off of real estate investing because it's, it's dramatically improved my life and I get, I get a lot of freedom from it, but I get to choose what 60 hours a week I work. Yeah. You know, is like what that age old saying, it's like same with being a real estate agent, whatever. It's like, yeah, you get a lot of freedom, but it's, it's definitely not all, all sunshine and rainbows. No. And I mean, that's where like the same thing, like, dude, I would encourage anyone and everyone to go into real estate in some form or fashion mm-hmm. because of the, the freedom it provides. Yeah. Are there like stressful times? hundred percent. Like, right. But it's get, just like, get choose into your, it. choose your heart. You know, mm-hmm. people talk about, you know, yes. choose your heart either, you know, you're either going to have this or that. And you know, that's, that's part of life. I just, I just don't want, I, I want to 
simultaneously encourage people to get into real estate in some form, yeah. learn, learn some niche, learn some opportunity and try to seize it. Yep. But, uh, don't get into it thinking that you're going to be rich and famous day one. Yep. Um, because the, the, the pro and the con of real estate is it's great long term. Yep. Um, if you are getting into it for immediate financial benefits, um, you're going to have a bad time. Yeah. hundred percent. It's just part of it. Yeah. But if you want security long-term, it's outstanding. Yep. I mean, all the work that I'm putting in now is for the betterment of my family in the future. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to plant the trees now that will provide shade for my family 30 yep. years from now. Mm -hmm. is all I'm doing and trying to <laughs> trying to keep the lights on along, along and, the way. And, and that's a, it's like, you know, I, I can remember like I've had times where it's like sometimes I've overplanted and <laughs> yeah. the cash flow management. It's had, tough, I'm, I'm very optimistic. And I think yeah. a lot of people in that get into real estate. You are. have to be, you have to be, Somewhere. or you're not going to make it. <laughs> right. And, but there've definitely been some times where I've overplanted and, uh, I needed a harvest and not new seeds in the ground. Right. Yeah. A hundred percent there. Yeah. There's those, those planting seasons and harvest seasons. I had a, a guy, another real estate investor tell me one time, he, he calls it uh, meat and pasta seasons. He's like, mm -hmm. those harvest seasons would be like the steak, the meat. Um, and the, the planting seasons would be, uh, you know, the pasta or the rice. Right. He's like, man, you know, I'd come home and tell my wife, like, Hey, we're going to be in a pasta and rice season for a yeah. little bit. Or I'd come home and tell my wife, all right, we're having steaks tonight. And it's like, yeah, that's, I empathize with that a lot. Yes. Uh, my wife has heard that exact phrase from me <laughs> several times. And, uh, you know, if you're lucky enough, like you've been in this for a decade, you know, in my experience, at least granted, I have a great, uh, a great wife and family. Um, you build a bit of a track record where it's like, and you can, you can, they can have that comfort in, okay, like yeah. the, the pasta and rice season won't last forever. Yep. We're just, we need to ride it out for a little bit and yep. the steak will come back on the menu one day. It will. <laughs> I, I can even remember like the first time I quote had a dry spell and it was, it was right when I realized that my old way of doing business was gone mm. and that was using all the foreclosure sites essentially. Yeah. And I can remember just getting on there one day and I was like, oh, I'm just going to get me a, a new deal. And there weren't any. Mm. And I can remember thinking, what in the world am I going to do now? Because like that had been my primary source of income. I'd actually, I'd mm -hmm. had a bunch of low end apartments and I'd sold all those. Yeah. And so essentially I was just back to retail flips. We'll just call them flips, like retail sales or right. one source of income. Right. No recurring revenue. And it and the flips are risky and they're not immediate. They're not immediate. And you have your money sunk for a little bit. Yep. Um that can be really like that being your main source of income it was. can be really stressful. It was uh it was right before we got married and luckily I'd had, I had reserves, but, uh, I mean, I can remember going like almost 16 months without actually making anything. Yeah. 
And that was when I actually kind of like refocused and realized like, okay, not everything stays the same and I need to continue to evolve. Mm -hmm. And that's actually when I ended up moving downtown because I just thought there like would be a new niche downtown, which there ended up being. Hallelujah. (laughs) Um, But I bought a bunch of stuff downtown and that was probably one of the best decisions I ever made. Yeah. Um, and I basically just flipped off. Same thing though. I ended up flipping off all those properties over a, you know, four Mm -hmm. or five year period. But, um, you know, I think that's the other thing is like just remembering that even in real estate, that is such a constant business. Like it's such a, it's been the same for thousands of years or at least a few hundred years, long time, long time, but it still changes constantly. Um, I mean, I can even think of all that. I mean, dear Lord, just the last few years have been insanity. Crazy. Crazy. <laughs> Trying to keep up with what's going on has just been crazy. Yeah. And then, like, I can remember where there was a point where I knew neighborhoods, a market analysis. Like, I didn't have to run a market analysis. I didn't have to run comps. I know what the comps are. Mm-hmm. And then it went from, like, okay, that neighborhood's about the same for years. And then it was, like, every six months it was changing. Yeah. Where I was like, okay, I am, I'm off, not by a little. I'm off by a ton. And I missed the deal because I didn't spend a little more time realizing this neighborhood has changed. Yeah. It, I mean, it's it's been so hard to keep up. And it's been a really scary time um, for things like flips because, uh, you know, you'll hit some out of the park. I All know, of a sudden, that it. neighborhood's worth, you know, a ton more and the demand's there and... People From when are, you start to finish, I mean, it's just, people are just throwing money at you. You got offers coming in like crazy, um, all the way to you know you have one drag out a little too long, and the yeah. interest rates just keep climbing, and uh, area dries up, and yep. like you're just like, man, I'm making no money or losing money, because uh, making no money is losing money. It is because your time is <laughs> right. money. Yeah. So you spend right. a bunch of time on something and yeah. or you end up getting a bad sub yeah. that stretches you thin or steals mm-hmm. from you or maybe yeah. doesn't directly steal from you, but indirectly yeah. gets you. Yeah. Real estate, <laughs> if done if done well, I mean, one of the things that's helped me sleep at night with like the amount of debt that I have on, on properties that I have and stuff like that is if it's done well, it's really tough yeah. to lose money, yeah. but I have broken even on some deals and that my worst deals are deals I've broken even yeah. on, um, on like the, on like the balance sheet at the end of the day. Yeah. But you know, in your heart, it's like, man, I, I really lost some money on that, on that thing. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, if, if you're breaking even like I when I finished out my, cause I use Excel, uh-huh. I probably should use it. But anyway, when I finished out Excel spreadsheet and I yep. had everything lined up and I was like, Oh my gosh, I didn't make a dime on this. Yeah. <laughs> that was yep. painful. It hurts. It hurts. It hurts. Yeah. But you know, lessons learned and yeah. you know, you're better, you're better for it. But well, I mean, I, that's where it's like looking back, the, the best things that ever occurred in my life were typically problems or challenges because right. that's the only place you do learn. I yeah. mean, if, if, if every deal had just went mm-hmm. rosy and perfect, I'd never learn a thing. I'd be at the same place I was 10 years ago. Yep. Um, absolutely. You're not going to learn a thing unless you make mistakes. And yeah. And if you're not making mistakes and you're probably not doing anything, you're not doing any deals. I can tell you right now. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, the, the thing I'm most thankful for about uh, the real estate investment company I used to work for is they were doing so much volume. Yeah. Uh, and especially when you're dealing with single family residential houses, mm -hmm. they're all different. Every plot's oh different. Gosh, Every yeah. house is different. Um, you, you have to get those reps in, deal with all kinds of different houses, layout plans, contractors, the learning curve neighborhoods. that you got from that. Right. I mean, there's yeah. the dude, it's, it's, it, you couldn't put a number on it. Right. I you, promise. Yeah. You just can't, there's no replacement for all the different repetitions and, and all of that. That's where my side came from the sales side. And right. so like when I started flipping, dude, I didn't know how to change a doorknob, didn't know what it cost or how long it took. Right. But the beauty was is in those two years with my mom, I had so many reps. At the time, we were going on five to seven seller consultations a week. Right. Week after week after mm -hmm. week. And sometimes two a day. And just the amount of reps, it's like just the same thing. So on the amount of reps, it's like every house we'd go in, she'd be like, as soon as we left, she's like, you saw how that kitchen was laid out? That right there is going to hurt them on the cell. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, okay, you saw on the outside the slope. She's like, that's going to knock off 5% off the price. Or just those little things that right. help you evaluate what a home yeah. will sell for. And all those conversations with homeowners as well and, like, their different situations and how you overcome that oh, on yeah. a sale. And My mom was um, huge on, on scripts and presentation. Mm -hmm. And so, like, you know, she had her, quote, soft closes built in and like by the time I started go about halfway in a year in I started going on the appointments without her but by then it's like I could have my eyes closed and yeah. go through that presentation and be pre be prepared and have that confidence that gives because mm -hmm. most people most of those buyers sellers you're dealing with you know they might they might buy a, a yeah, few, few houses in their lifetime and then in homeownership average years going up every year. When my mom started in the mm. business, it was like six years. And I think it's over 10 now. How long somebody that. stays in a home. Right. We've got people now that are like golden handcuffed to their house, right? Like if you refinanced at 2.78%, you're not going anywhere. No. Well, you're going to go. Leave. You're gonna I would go, never leave. Right. You're going to go buy a new house at 8%? Absolutely Ever. not. Like, Ever. no. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, yeah, that trend's going to continue going that way. Cause mm -hmm. why would people leave? My, br my brother, we were talking earlier about him, uh, doing his farming, but he, he had bought around 2020, he'd bought a three acres or so mm -hmm. up in Greenbrier okay. on his house. And when he started expanding his farm, he was like, okay, we want more land. We're looking to probably get like 15 to 20 and maybe build. And then I was like, man, have you run the numbers? And he's like, what do you mean? What numbers? And it's like, <laughs> well, I just like, I was like, the just to buy the same house you're in, your payment's almost going to be double right now. Mm. So he ended up, he's like, we're staying put. He ended up just drilling a well, did a lot of infrastructure work. And mm. then to, so he wouldn't have to buy, he's leasing land from his neighbor. Yeah. And that works perfect. And I mean, it Great. didn't, I was like, man, it doesn't matter what you spend on that lease. It's going to be 20 times cheaper than you going out and trying to buy and build at the very second for what he has. Right. Especially with a startup business. So let's, your brother's Dirk, shout out yeah. to Dirk. Um, with, 
especially when you're starting a business, it's like, how do you make it as low risk, low overhead as possible to get it off the ground? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's even like, so he ended up, he has a farm store on the front of his property because he's trying to move more inventory. Yeah. And I can remember just thinking like, oh my gosh, Derek, please do not build a shop on the front of your property to sell lettuce. Cause he said he's a farmer. He sells, yeah. he's in, he, uh, it's not, it's not labeled quote. He doesn't have organic certification, but it's, um, he does a type of regenerative farming, which is about the highest in yeah. produce you could possibly buy. Yeah. And he was trying to move more products. So anyway, though, to, to, to lower some risk, he ended up buying a building. Mm-hmm. Like a pre-made, a pre-made building. Yeah. And so he's like, worst case, if this doesn't work, I can sell the building right, and recoup some of my costs, which turns out it's a wild success. So, and it ended yeah. up doing really well. That's so amazing, now man. it's glad he's, he's doing it, but right. man, I was nervous for him because. And now that it's some, a big success and you grow it and you know, mm-hmm. maybe that leads into buying the, buying the property. hundred percent. I, I like hearing 100%. that more than just dumping all of your yeah. <laughs> literal eggs, eggs in, in, one, in basket. one basket. Um, <laughs> Being a farmer and raising chickens. <laughs> right. Uh, I am, uh, I'm excited. So do you, do you participate at all in the, the farming or um, you just eat the man? I participate by supporting him and there eating all the good yeah, food. Okay. Yeah. There you go. But his, his alone has been a cool story because like he's kind of flirted back and forth with the real estate, but mm-hmm. in all reality, it probably isn't like his, his passion. Right. Um, when he was in the ministry up in Denver, for whatever reason, he had just gotten really interested in plant-based diet. And so Denver's super expensive, but he ended up originally growing microgreens in his little bedroom that he, that he lived in. But yeah. then he got in part in Denver where he was at. It was in Old Town specifically. There was like this five acre plot and all these people were like, it was like a little association. Yeah, a group, a like group, a community garden community garden, whatever. but yeah. like very high end. Anyway, he fell in love with it. He probably had like a 10 by 20, you know, spot that quote was his. Right. Um, but he fell in love with it and wanted to get into farming and sell to restaurants in Denver. Yeah. Well, that was right when he got married. And so he ended up selling uh, part of his ownership and some real estate that my family had. And he moved a little bit outside of Denver onto into a house that had like a gigantic acre and a half backyard. Nice. And so he bought some chickens, started doing it. Well, he put all his eggs in one basket. Mm. And it just, just like we all do, we sometimes will underestimate what it'll take to get a business going. Yeah. And so it's it's hard to approximate. (laughs) It's hard to approximate, especially when you've never done it. Yeah. And so anyway, he actually tried to start a farm up in Denver and it just didn't work out. He couldn't get the revenue going with the cost of land to farm in Denver. Yeah. Which was insane. I I don't even want to tell you how much because you wouldn't, you'd be like how in the world. I I can't imagine how many eggs you'd have to sell or heads of lettuce you'd have to sell. A lot. A lot. lot. Just to break even. I mean, people want to rag. I do think there's a lot of issues with how our, our food is made, but you look at, 
it as a business. As a business. And it makes a lot of sense on why they shove 10,000 chickens Dirk, in like Dirk on top of themselves. literally and, spending, and dude, he, he's hand planning. And granted, this is not your, like, right. this is not large scale agriculture. This is like a very small farm. Right. Everything's done by hand. Grown with love. It's grown with love. There's no pesticides. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, this is, this is some uh, high end stuff. Let's put it that way. Right. But I mean, he spends probably 20 to 30 hours a week with his hands, either planting, picking, tending. Yeah. Uh, just to the actual, the, the actual, like the farming part. And then his chickens are a whole nother thing, but we're talking a lot of man hours, a lot, a lot of man hours. Yeah. I believe it. And then on top of that, like that's, that's working in his business, yes. then he also has to work on the business, hundred yeah, percent. Um, and they offer delivery and like running all the the mm-hmm. products around. And um, but I do think we're we're in a place now where people are starting to realize the importance are, of of having food like that, and it's not readily available. No, and I'm hoping that you know because of that, people are willing to pay him well for it dude it's 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 crazy the demand because so anyway he had he basically every thursday sends out his list of what available products and my mom and i are in a he texts us the list Mm -hmm. so she sent out a list he puts the stuff in the farm store on thursday sends out his list on thursday well between thursday and this morning some of the stuff had already like people just bum rushed his (laughs) his shop and they bought it all and which is good which is amazing right but it's like my mom was like i was really looking forward to that it is like why didn't you grab it and he's like well i go grab it friday before i make the delivery right <laughs> yeah <laughs> if you want it mom you've got to show up on yeah. thursday evenings well he that's where it's like he's yeah. in greenbrier my mom's not driving to greenbrier because right. she lives yeah. downtown but it was yeah. just hilarious because it's like there's a demand there's a huge demand and and the other part is that's crazy is like because you're buying direct, mm-hmm. yeah, is it probably a little bit more expensive? It is, but if you look at the numbers, it's actually not that right. much more expensive because you're cutting you're out getting. the middleman, you're cutting out the yeah. grocery store. And so he's able to charge enough that, that he's able to have margin, but also right. provide an extremely high quality yeah. product. That's great. The um I think it was like the CEO of Chick-fil-A or something, but he, he basically, he had a quote that I like and it said, um, if, if your product or service is good enough, the market will demand that yes. you grow. Yep. And so it sounds like, I mean, through y'all's like entrepreneurial, like upbringing and through Dirk learning some of the lessons with like his first farm. Yep. Um, it's great to hear that. It sounds like, you know, a, he hasn't given up on that, and he's he's just he's finding ways to do it better. Yeah. And now um, to hear that he he might be at that place now where it's like the market's literally demanding for him to grow. I'm excited to see uh, or, or at least hear about if um, he's able to kind of make it over those next hurdles. The next hurdles, because yeah. there's always like those each level of business you just run into those yep. new hurdles. You have to. Right. And yeah. and it's one of the things that makes that journey so exciting and great. But um I'm always thinking about, okay, feel like I've kind of made it to this new plateau. What are those hurdles that 
uh, have to be overcome to get to that mm. like next level. So it's like Dirk's Dirk's business may, and I think it's the, I think the book's called Traction, where it kind of talks about this. It's an outstanding book, but it's not. None of this is really reinventing the wheel, it's, right? It's like there are there are these levels that are pretty clearly defined. It's like Dirk's probably getting to that point where it's like, okay, well, in order to grow this, we need these three things. It's more land, uh, you know, more hands time, helping. Time, yeah. Right. Well, he's going to have to multiply we're, himself. We're already, he's, yeah, he's right. already on that point. Yeah. Yes, he's, he's out of there. <laughs> and that's, that's, a, that's one of the big ones. Yeah. Um, trying to come up with systems, processes, whatever, find the right person um, that is willing to take on trying to become Dirk number two. Yep. And then Dirk's got to figure out how to Im- transpose a lot of his knowledge into that person. Yeah, and the the same it, it's it's just cool how it translates into multiple businesses because mm-hmm. also just like real estate, there's a ton of different like little sub markets that right. you can like he's yeah. he's gonna he's starting to plant fruit, mm. and so it's a longer term thing. It's kind of seasonal. Yeah. Um, but anyway, he's starting. The trees, I'm sure, take a long time to grow. Yeah, and trees are years. He's doing <laughs> yeah. more like bushes, so he's yeah. going to do like strawberries and blackberries. Oh, man, but, I'll buy him out of strawberries. Yeah, and so anyway, just he's been going to other experts. Like he's got a guy that's mentoring him out of Nashville that runs yeah. a gigantic farm, and he's awesome. like, you know, you kind of got to pick your your niches, but you know, expanding those and continuing to add on mm. um, when you have the investment is just. You know, just, just like real estate is the same thing of, yeah. you know. And you can have, just like real estate, it's funny because I've never made this connection, but you, you know, like your, your apple trees are your long-term buy and holds, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, um, yeah. You, you know, maybe your, your potatoes are your fix and flips, right? Like yeah. you grow them once in the ground yeah. and then you sell them and you only get as many potatoes as you put in the ground, right? Um, that, I got to tell you the craziest thing though. Okay, so we had, yeah. we had gone down to, we'd gone down to see Tony Robbins in oh, November, okay. uh, down in West Palm beach. Awesome. Me and Derek went down there to, uh, do his conference, one of his conferences. Well, anyway, Derek's got another guy that he, he knows down there. And so he's like, you know, when we land in West Palm, can we go visit this farmer? Which I'm thinking, you know, sure. Whatever. Whatever. You're having the Uber. It's like an hour north. We're in the country, right? And as I'm, farms typically are, yes, yeah, farms <laughs> typically just are out there. Yeah, right. they're just out there. And so we, the, the Uber drops us off, and then I'm thinking, are we going to be able to get an Uber back to town? Because we are like, I barely have signal out here. But anyway, this guy's got a setup. He's selling his lettuce, his short-term crops. Mm-hmm. He's got. Um, he also runs a nursery. Nursery business was the craziest thing I'd ever seen. He's got yeah, trees. flowers and. No, he's got these little mini like exotic fruit trees. Can't remember what they are, but I literally wow. left there full because he had like a different bunch of varieties. These yeah. things take years and years to grow. Right. And he's got them. You can just tell like he's not worried about selling them because they need the money. Right. Because every year they grow a little bit. When the bigger ones sell for more money. They sell for more money. Oh my god. They're gosh. just sitting there like, appreciating. This little tiny tree right here is five hundred dollars and this little tiny tree is a thousand and I'm like I'm looking around on his ten acre plot and they're just everywhere. You're just the, the mass starts adding up. Yeah. Yeah, they, the numbers start churning and I'm like, but the the craziest And niche. he's got acres acres outside of West Palm Beach. Yes. That's I, mean, it, I imagine isn't inexpensive. Yeah. 
But it was, it was nuts because it's like he had this weird little niche. It's like this is an exotic fruit tree, blah, 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 which they don't grow here in Arkansas because Derek was wanting to bring them back. Right. They, I can't even remember. It was like a – I cannot remember the name, but it was the most unique fruit. It was like out of South America. Right. And he's like, yeah, people love these in Florida, and we get them going where they can produce fruit, and then they'll buy them for, you know. Yeah. Anyway, it was nuts. Yeah. But it just the weirdest niche. I don't right. think that's the other thing that was nuts. Yeah. It's like – guarantees the only seller of these trees probably in a you know 2000 mile radius right. would be my guess but yeah and it's in i just i've never i've never made that connection but it's like they're literally assets that he invested in and are. he's sitting there and he's shepherding them it's exactly um, right. but they're sitting there and appreciating in value and yeah. um they produce fruit along the way i mean it's just like a just like a yes. long-term buy and hold, like you get the fruit along the way, <laughs> but really like at some point he's going to sell that tree for a payday. And, yeah. um, it's really interesting. I'd never made that connection. That's yeah. really cool. That's where when I was there, I was like, Derek's like eating up, like how everything's laid out. Cause like anyway, the guy had a food forest and that's the a farming whole, knowledge, the farming knowledge. Right. And I'm just sitting there thinking like, Oh my gosh! Every one of these trees is clipping between a hundred and a thousand, and right. they're they're stretching in every direction as far as my eyes can see. You know, right? Yeah, I mean, it's good to have both perspectives, right? Like you yeah. have the, uh, I mean, y'all y'all are kind of like the like the the property brothers on HGTV. Like one of them's got to have. Uh, you know, look at things through yep. one lens, and one of them's got to look at them mm-hmm. through another. But combined, you get kind of. Yeah, you the, get both perspectives. Both. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm I'm really glad to hear that Dirk's doing well. I haven't talked to him in a, a long time, probably since high school. But um yeah, glad to hear that that's going well for him. What um one of the things that I love to ask people and I'm sure that since you've been in the business for so long is uh if they have any crazy stories. Man. <laughs> Too many to think of. Yeah. Well, no, normally people have some, but they're like, well, oh, I can't tell that one because that person's going to definitely know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you can definitely some crazy stuff. I mean, to, on a random note, I've got a vacant property that I just kicked some homeless people out of yesterday, really? which was a little crazy, but it's now boarded up pretty good. So hopefully they're not going to be back. But they're, they're, that was my most recent story literally yesterday. So, um, so you had to go in, like, what, did you just go in there the and say? The cops called me. So it, oh. they, they got them out, but I literally, I think they came right back yeah. because I, the doors were like, the cops closed all the doors and doors were wide open again. I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay. So I don't know if I scared them off again when I got there, Yeah. but hopefully they're not going to come back. Yeah. Hope not. Yeah. And hopefully if they are there, um, hopefully they're just like sleeping. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I don't I don't want any people burning down that property either. But yeah, anyway, yeah, the, crazy the, stories. The joys of real estate investing. I know, man. <laughs> I always say nothing good ever happens at a vacant house. No, it doesn't. Like, it just it dilapidates too. That's right. the craziest part. Is like how fast a house breaks down when it's vacant. Oh yeah. Well, and yeah, just nothing good happens. No. Like even if even if you don't have somebody getting under it and trying to steal copper or. Um, Dude, I had I had a house. This uh, was very recently. Somebody, uh, all the plumbing was like PEX, plastic, mm-hmm. right? Um, but somebody had gotten under there and they had turned all the breakers off, but they were trying to steal the electrical wiring. 
Yeah. And I'm like, dude, really? Like, you you know how much wiring you have to like go a turn ton. in for scraps to get anything out of it? A ton. A ton. And so it looks like they while they were they were down there with like some kind of saw. And they cut the electrical wiring, but then they also cut into oh uh, gosh, one pex. of the PEX pipes. Yeah. So you can tell where they stopped because I'm pretty sure it just started gushing water all over them. And I'm just like, thank God they turned the breaker off. Because like, if they had oh been sawing gosh. through a dryer yeah. cable... And uh, the water hits. And dousing themselves while laying in a crawl space. Like, we would have shown up to a crime scene. There's no telling. Like, there just would have been a dead guy in the crawl space, like, looking like the the cat in Christmas Vacation, oh chewing gosh. on the wire under the seat. There's just, like, an imprint of the cat. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. I'm like, just, at least they were smart enough to turn the breakers off. Yeah. As bad as I don't want people under my house stealing wire i also don't want them oh, permanently <laughs> injured yeah but there's always stuff like that you'll have that yeah just part of it and as part of so this we'll just transition into this real quick so part of the issue that i have with all these big out-of-state funds buying just massive amounts of properties is uh they'll come in and they'll buy just a ton of houses without having any of the uh, structure in place to renovate um, and manage those properties. Like they'll, they'll be like, Oh, well we've got, you know, however many millions of dollars of capital trying to move money, man. that have to get allocated. So we're just going to gobble up everything. I know. But then I, like, I know the people working for them uh, in Little Rock and they'll just be like, dude, I've got 150 houses sitting vacant right now with nobody working on them. Nothing going on. Oh. And um, I mean, that's, that's insane to me. I just, I can't can't even fathom it. I really can't. And they're just like, um, we've got two project managers. Um, we're going to hire, uh, we're going to hire some vendors to work on them when we can. But, uh, the main thing for them is like, we got our capital allocated. The houses are bought. Uh, we'll renovate them when we can, but they'll just sit there vacant and be, uh, you know, just be hotspots for (laughs) drugs and all kinds of nefarious activities and, yeah, it's wild. Uh, a couple of those have one of, uh, I don't know if I should name them or not, but they've. Yeah, you don't need to name them. Just they, let them be. Yeah, they've, they've, let them do their they've moved on because they bought, right. they, they, I think a lot of them just drastically underestimate what it takes to build that business in a new market. I know. And they're like, the easy and the fun part is buying the deals. Hundred percent. Right. That's my favorite part because you all Absolutely. you have is optimism. Right. The, at least if you're optimistic, great. right? Everything yeah. looks rosy, and you've already ran your numbers, knowing exactly right. what you're gonna make. Yep. How quick you're gonna get and it's it done? Gonna be and, fast. And, yep. Yep. <laughs> and they're doing the same things. I mean, it's just like Zillow offers and having to lay off half their people and losing four hundred billion dollars or whatever it was. It's like. It's all it's all fun and games behind your computer, looking at your spreadsheets and your numbers. Yep. Um, but it's like everybody's got a game plan to get punched in the mouth, right? Yep. Uh, when the when it comes down to it, and the doing needs doing, uh, a lot of those plans just fall apart. I know. And we're left as the people that live in the communities with these areas that have just been bought up by some uh, faceless out of state yep. uh, investment company that has no real interest in like how the neighborhood d- does on it some all. of my listings. I actually say 
believe it or not, that like, are you tired of out of state landlords? Because I, for that exact reason, like, yeah, even on the, the tenant side, some people are literally tired of it. Yeah. Because they're never going to get an answer when they need anything fixed. Mm-hmm. And like, obviously, I can't make, in all reality, like, it's hard to make quota unit perfect. Let's just be real. Even right. the even a brand new construction home may have 20, 30 flaws. Oh, yeah. But most of the time, I do everything I can. I'll bend over backwards mm-hmm. to make sure that they have a good experience. Yeah. Um, I always tell, like, the same thing of, like, if my mom was living in this unit, would I do this for her? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really do try to live by that. But, but yeah, man, it's craziness for the for the ones that literally just buy up everything, and then there's no way to manage it. No. And it sounds great on pay. I mean, we all know a lot of things sound great on paper, right? For the same reason of like, well, these numbers work the same as apartment, a big apartment complex, and we know. That's just not the case. There's, right. <laughs> I mean, just there's 150, instead of 150 doors on one piece of property, you got 150 doors scattered over 50 with, right. you know, 50, 150 different roofs and uh, termite policies or just, you know, whatever it is, mm-hmm. insurance, taxes. I mean, it's, it's madness. The management's way harder. It's way harder. Um, you know, you can't just have one person sit in an office like you could at an apartment complex. No. Um, it, it, yeah. And, and I do, I do think it matters to people. A lot of renters feel like they're throwing money away. Yeah. That's kind of like how it's painted. There are days that I wish yeah. I was a renter. Me too. I um, get it. because of all the <laughs> joys of home ownership. Yep. But I do think it makes a difference to people. It would to me with the knowledge that I have at least to know that my, rent dollars are going to stay in this like local economy. If you pay your local landlord, um, that money is going to local vendors, probably to a local bank and it stays in that ecosystem. Yes. 100%. Local schools, like whatever it is. um, Yeah. The, I saw a meme the other day. I wish I had it pulled up. I'll have to send it to Aaron so he can put it on the screen, but it was like, uh, it was it was like a picture of a tweet, and the guy was like, "I just realized that I'm living paycheck to paycheck, and my landlord's also living my paycheck to my paycheck." Because <laughs> it was like it was like a, a he had a a, a text from his uh, landlord that was like, "Hey, uh, you normally have your rent deposited by like 8 a.m. today." And it's 3 p.m. Like, are you still going to have it deposited today? Because he was like, the landlord was like, ended up saying something like, I have to make the mortgage payment today. (laughs) It's like, today, man, and I don't have the money. (laughs) I felt all of that, like to the bottom of my soul. Like, It's like realizing my landlord's also living my paycheck to paycheck. It's like, (laughs) yes, preach. Like it's a reality. Yeah. I, uh, I was still, I was, I was laughing because I mean, it's the same thing, like, you know, over planning. It's like, man, liquidity and access to capital, you may have all, and that's, I learned on one of my quote times of like, I can have all the equity in the world. Mm-hmm. If you don't have any cash or access to cash, mm-hmm. you're screwed. You that's, are screwed. Just to be vulnerable for a minute, like that's part of why um, I've slowed down buying recently. And I think uh, 
why, I mean, the Fed's accomplishing what they're trying to accomplish with the rate increases or whatever. The stagnation that we're having now, I'm, I'm playing a part in that because normally the way my business works and how I acquire more long-term rentals is I buy value-add deals. Yep. Um, through the equity I create in those deals, um, I'll refinance cash back out. Um, that yep. cash can then go to keep the machine running, yep. so to speak. Well, at a certain like interest rate, it doesn't make a lot of sense for me to keep no. refinancing that money back out, which is yep. kind of where we're at now. Yep. So this is a season of patience for me. Um, and Andy Frisilla uh, calls it aggressive patience is what yeah. I, I try to live by. It's like, okay, well, in those seasons of patience, I'm working on uh, I'm working on my business instead yep. of just working in it. The working in my business demands have slowed down. So now it's, what can I do to work on it um, yep. to be more prepared for market changes in the future? Yeah, I mean, right now I've been a net seller for the year. Uh, still been flipping, but also selling some stuff that's mm-hmm. like, hey, does this really make sense? And then also looking at my current holds and just trying how to max those out. Yeah. And that's really what I've done this year. Yeah. And there's um, nothing wrong with that. You have to have those periods mm-hmm. of, uh, I'm, I'm more inclined to like be focused on growth and like the shiny things. Yeah. I, I really have to make sure that I focus on shepherding what I have now yep. in the best way that I can. I mean, and I've, I've spent some money on a, which talking about crazy stories, I feel like that whole property has just been a crazy story, but, um, I've just been focusing on improving it. Cause I'm like, dude, there's margin in this deal. And this is a property I already own. Mm-hmm. I've owned it for four or five years now. It's been a rental for you. Uh, it's a little apartment building. Yeah. And I'm like, anyway, it's one of those where it's like, dude, there's still a lot of improvement, a lot of value that I, that I have yet to mm. tap into in this building. Mm-hmm. And so that's been one of the things that I've been doing. But when I bought it, uh, in all reality, it had a bunch of druggies in it. Yeah. And hadn't been improved in, I mean, we we didn't even have panels on Druggies this thing. that pay their rent? No. <laughs> no rent paying druggies. Uh. Um, unfortunately and sadly, like the one guy that like I knew was solid in the building, he like died like the first month I was there. So I knew I was at a complete zero on mm. my quote revenue. So I spent the next six months just getting everyone out. I yeah. Mean, it was just, um, there was one guy that was good, but, um, anyway, it was just one of those. And then since then the building's been hit twice by cars cause it's on a major thoroughfare. Um, twice, twice. I'm not kidding you. It's been hit twice. And then I own the building next door and the building next to that. They've both been hit once. <laughs> I, what? It, it's, Statistically, it, how is that even possible? Dude, I don't possible? know. So what's even crazier, the craziest thing is, I so I have a few awful. rentals in the Heights. Mm-hmm. One of them is like right across from the Kroger on Cantrell. Awesome. And then I have another one on the other side by Forest Park Elementary. It's not like Cantrell's straight right here. It's not on the street. It's off the street. Mm-hmm. Last year, about this time, somehow someone managed to swerve on the road and hit this house. Dude, this house is not, it's on the straight part of Cantrell 
And like my tenants called me and they're like, Hey, something's happened. I'm like, okay, what's going on? They're like, someone hit the house. I'm like, how, how, how they even avoided a tree, a car parked and like swerved past a rock to hit the corner of the house. And I can just tell you that was a nightmare because I had to rebuild from the foundation up because <sighs> it hit some electrical, it hit HVAC, it took out my foundation wall, had mm. to reframe, took out two windows. Like it was a nightmare, bro. It was a nightmare. But yeah, so in the last three years, I've actually had dealt with five wrecks <laughs> that have hit my property. Five wrecks. Five. Five. That's... I, I, statistically, I'm like, I don't even know how this is possible. Right. Because some of the wrecks, I'm like, how did you even get that car there? <laughs> right. I mean, it, it, it's nuts. Dude, I, I don't mean to laugh at your pain. I'm just like, I'm trying to... I've I've dealt with a significant amount of rentals, and I don't... I've only ever had... I've only ever had one hit by a car and really they just hit the the outside condenser yeah. unit. Yeah. And a lot of times, like I've had two of them literally <laughs> cause no damage. Right. I mean, they hit the house and the bricks were scuffed up, but I mean, one of them took the whole front out of the property. Like it took <laughs> out basically like a double front porch balconies. And uh, of course, God, none of these do. people has single, right. not a single one has had insurance, not a single one. So it's just been a complete nightmare. I actually, on one of them, they did, but they had state minimum, and it didn't even cover. It was like $50,000 worth of damage. And basically, I just took the state minimum. I didn't want to file. I Thinking back now, I should have filed with my insurance, but I was just like, I don't want my premiums going up. And I took the state minimum, and I just basically took the whole front porch off the house. And so now it doesn't have a porch. But I was able to rebuild it for a little over 25 grand, but yeah. I mean, legitimately I've had five wrecks in That's the last insane, three years. Dude. There was the a one in the Heights was the craziest because like we're on a straight road. They avoid a car. They avoid a tree and they, other houses and other houses then hit mine. I mean, it was right. just like, how did you even get to like this location? Seeking missile. It literally like there would be no other way than heat seeking missile. Like you were, you were, Yeah. You got people out for you, man. I know, man. <laughs> I I do laugh though because Zeke's house. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. It, it's that's those have been the those are definitely probably my. I mean, we've got the typical, you know, yeah. Tenant trash is the place. Yeah. I I could go on and on for those yeah. stories, but the craziest ones are probably my car stories because I don't even know how it's possible. Like, I know, that's a that's know. a shocking number. Of wrecks into a... We got one, two, three, four, five, six. six. Okay, so yeah, we got six. Yeah. There was a point where I, I had three house fires. They were all in North Little Rock. Oh my gosh. And they were in like a like a 16-month 16 16 time span. Now that's and, insane. And I was like, the third one came around really... The two two of them were related. It was two yeah. houses next to each other. Fire started yeah. at one. It spread to the other one. The second fire happened, and I'm like, dude, at what point does North Little Rock yeah. start thinking that I'm burning? Yeah, my you're, own you're committing down? arson. Yeah, right. Well, I'm a, like, I'm really starting to get nervous. I had nothing to do with it, obviously, but it, you do start to have those thoughts of like, 
Like at what point is your insurance company going to start thinking you're wrecking cars into your own houses? Well, that's where it's like, I only filed with one and that was the one in the Heights because I was like, I'm not, I'm not paying for this, this, yeah. and I need this, I need this done. I need it done right. And yeah. I gotta, I gotta get this done. And yeah. luckily the one that was the porch, which caused like 50,000 in true damage. I was mm. able to, I was just like, I mean, but this dude was 18. It was like his 18th birthday when this occurred. And like he went out with his buddies. So they wrecked at like, you know, 1am. And I literally just made a choice. I was like, I can rebuild this for 25 grand or I can ruin this dude's life. Yeah. And in that case, I just chose not to because I was like, you know, I don't think it's going to make that big of a difference for me yeah. having those porches. And I know if I do, like, this kid's in, yeah. I mean, deep shit. Let's just, yeah. it, tacking on another lawsuit onto him, I don't think yeah. it's going to help him very much. Yeah. Shout out to those people that didn't ruin my life that could have when I was yeah. a teenager. I'm a dude, you yes. know. <laughs> Yeah, many a uh, times. I, I'll, I'll try to pass that forward to um, to some. Hopefully, hopefully that comes back around yeah. at some point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I have a few people. I, I still a few incidents. I still need to pay it forward for yeah. from my teenage years. So, 100%. props to you for looking out for the kid. Uh, you know, yeah. You probably didn't probably didn't need need it to go anywhere. So, yeah. uh, last question I, I like to ask people. So, if you could go back in time in any point in time and give yourself a piece of advice, what would it be? Mm. I know it's kind of like you just throw you into a deep question. Yeah. That's a really deep question. I don't <laughs> I like to end on a positive note. Yeah. You know, <laughs> what's the, the, me- the, what's the, the only, meaning of life? Yeah. The only thing is I probably, especially at, at this point in my life is really just like go for it and don't think about it so much. Yeah. I yeah. feel like there's a lot of times I overthink things or try to overanalyze them. Yeah, that analysis paralysis. Yeah. Let thing let the the thinking get in the way. Yeah. That and like buy Bitcoin and like oh seven. Yeah, yeah, and especially just that. Never one. sell it. <laughs> <laughs> or Apple, Netflix, Any whatever, of them. whatever it is. Right. <laughs> buy whatever you want in oh seven and sell it in twenty twenty two. It was like Bank of America stock. You know, it went down to like. 10 cents because they thought they were going bankrupt or yeah. everyone did yeah. and i actually know somebody that did buy a right. bunch of it they're like they were basically they knew they're like they're not going to let bank of america because people actually thought it was like mm. the bank of america or, right they're the like, name not, is worth the, a lot yeah. they they were literally like they're not the, the fed and yeah. the government's not going to let the bank of america fail and that's so they smart. actually bought a bunch of stock yeah, in it and that's smart anyway yeah you exactly just just buy just Forever buy the dip. Forever just just always have money available for the dip. This is great advice. Yeah. Awesome, man. Um, well, thank you so much for coming Enjoyed out. Enjoyed it. Uh, really appreciate you dropping a bunch of real estate investment experience and knowledge on, on everybody. Um, if you want people to find you, how do they do that? Man, they can just they can go online on Facebook, Instagram, all those things. And yeah. Zeke Tanner. Honestly, I couldn't even tell you what it is. It might be Zeke Tanner, Tanner Realty, but yeah, uh, it's one or the other. Yeah. Well, I think people can benefit from reaching out to you because you've got uh, you you can help people with um, buying or selling real estate. Yeah. And I've three, made a lot of mistakes over the years, so I can uh, I can definitely help some people on yeah. that side. Hopefully, yeah. not uh, do the same thing I did. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Experience matters, and it's important. Yeah. Um, you can find people to help you 
bypass some of those hurdles mm-hmm. yourself, then you're you're better off for it. Yeah. So um, thank you all for watching. This has been the Hustle on Purpose podcast. Be sure to like, subscribe, share it with anybody that may need this information. Reach out to Zeke with any of your local central Arkansas real estate needs. Go buy some uh, some healthy food from Dirk Tanner as well. Let's and go. Remember to hustle on purpose. Thanks. <laughs>